Monster Crush is a horny, light-hearted dating show by and for people who love monsters a lot. All monsters are presumed to be of age and are presumed to have given enthusiastic consent in our fictional fuckery. Take care of yourself when listening and see our episode description for all content warnings. Welcome to episode 69, part 2, or episode 70, if you want to be a square about it, of Monster Crush. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, this is a podcast nice. a little spooky, always sexy, and surprising, educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. I'm Derek, and I'm joined once again. We haven't really gone anywhere in real time, but hey, time travel nope. exists. Hi, LD. Hi. As opposed to L7, I am not... Hey, this is a reference to the square thing a while was, ago. Never mind. Yeah, anyway, hello. Good. Yeah, Thank you. I got it. I got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, like I said, we didn't really go anywhere, but it's been a week for all of nope. you. So time is relative. Uh, just like uh, uh, Einstein supposedly said, you know, a hand on a hot stove for a second feels like a year, but talking to a pretty girl feels for like 10 minutes feels like only a second. Trust me, I'm talking to LD. It feels like only moments when we record. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> so let's hop back into it. We were talking about Mothman because this is episode 70. Fine, it's episode 70. But I in do. episode 69, we did talk about Mothman. We talked about we the did. the sexy cryptid that Mothman is, his big wings, his lack of arms until he got arms. Uh, actually, I'm going to stop using the pronoun he because I don't like I know what Mothman is and I don't want to presume it's Mothman, but you know, Moth people. It is a very, it is very common to refer to the Mothman as a he, but mm. uh, you know, yeah, it's, we don't actually know. Yeah, nobody saw anything Mothman dangling. Hasn't told us. So I, I'm going to say, you know, that I'm going to use they for, for Mothman. That's fair. So yes, to, to recap just a little bit, Mothman first sighted, first official sighting, November 15th, 1966, 11.30 p.m. by two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallet. Uh, Linda might come up a little bit more in this, but the big figure to kind of hang on to is John Keel. John Keel, a journalist who is interested in paranormal and Fortean works, who is, was basically at the right place at the right time to uncover the Mothman story, wrote the Mothman prophecies, impacted pop culture and cryptozoology forever with his work. And he is going to be a big person in this. But what we're going to talk about first is kind of tying into a theory that Linda Scarberry had, where she believed that the real threat to Point Pleasant at this point in time, did not come from Mothman, mm -hmm. but came from a, a very secretive organization, an organization you may have heard of before with a very catchy early 2000s, late 90s rap by the gentleman Will Smith himself. The, the Men in Black, of course. Yes, we sang it the last time. I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah well, just, mm -hmm. you have to. You have to. Every time yeah. you have to. Yeah. They used to play it at school dances. <laughs> Jesus. That hurts for how true it was. Yes. Yes. Yes, we did. We, huh? There anyway. was a dance and everything. Hey, y'all, you had to watch to the there end was. of the VHS. And there was, sure there was a dance with Will Smith and, um, and a CGI alien. Those were the days. Yeah, sure was. So this is another reason that I think that the Mothman story gets so much attention. Is because, again, when you scratch the surface, you start unveiling, revealing all of these other things and the men in black being such a big story unto themselves are deeply tied into the Mothman story. Mm. Like when you, mm -hmm. if you go to Mothman Fest, if you go to the Mothman Museum, you will find, you know, men in black as part of the story. And it's also one of like the biggest MIB stories f that was featured for mass public consumption. This is not the first time the men in black are mentioned. The men in black have a very complex history of like some real, some not because there's absolutely the the concept of, you know, like federal agents being utilized to, uh, you know, perpetrate psychological warfare on 
U.S. Sure. citizens, G-men, mm-hmm. essentially, that are of course. men dressed in black that would go and do psyops on U.S. citizens. And um, hell, even during like this time, J. Edgar Hoover had actually put out a, 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 an order to just fuck with UFO groups because he was worried that UFO groups would be utilized by Russian agents to destabilize American consciousness. <laughs> I, mm, uh-huh. Yeah. Which, I mean, sure, yeah. They, But I just, I think that's funny in current political climes to think about. Yes. That, so, really. so there was a big fear that if a UFO researching group could get enough, you know, enough traction, that they could cause mass panic. And that could mm-hmm, then sure. distract the U.S. from an actual attack from communist forces. And so to prevent Russian agents from infiltrating UFO groups, he instead had government agents infiltrate UFO groups and then essentially ruin the lives of just nerds, just absolutely ruin their fucking lives. That's like a whole X-Files plotline. Yeah. Honestly, the the lone gunmen are based off of some, like the the whole, you know, Mm -hmm. there are some, some bigger figures in ufology who unalive themselves and did so mm-hmm. likely because of the the psyops uh, perpetrated by the US government who were just fucking with them. Cute. Yeah, it's Cute. it's it's nasty stuff. But if you get past that and you start getting into mm-hmm. the paranormal side of men in black, you get into something else altogether. And you know, what they are necessarily are they aliens, are they Demons, angels, are they tulpas that we have brought into, you know, reality through our consciousness? We're not really sure, Um, Mm -hmm. but they do show up in the Mothman story. And there's one specific man in black who's not always in black, but he's notable for being one of the only men in black we actually have a name for. Because a lot of of men in black, if, you know, two men in black show up at your door, they're going to present you... Some pretty common names. You know, it's going to be Mr. Smith and Mr. White. You know, it's going to be... So- Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If they give you names at all, that's another thing that people talk mm-hmm. about is oftentimes men in black will show up at their door at, without presenting any sort of badge or name or anything. They will ask to come in and the person will just find themselves sitting on their couch talking to these guys without like having the the memory of going like, oh yeah, come on in. Or like not, not knowing to stop that, not knowing to have the stranger danger there. Right. So Weird. The, the one individual we know about is a man named Indra. A man is a, a, a an individual named Indrid Cold. Okay. Also known as the smiling man. Oh, that's cute. Uh-huh. Okay. That's not at all. Ter- I feel like that's more terrifying than the Mothman already. Just. Inherently, I'm <laughs> so injured cold, definitely a sort of cryptid himself. Uh, could very sure. well be a singleton. It's also weird to refer to a cryptid by a full name. Like, I don't go mm-hmm. to the Ozark Howler being like, oh, yes, this is Jim Ozark Howler. You know, this is Tim, Tim Mothman. You just haven't yeah. clearly read enough Chuck Tingle novels that's... <laughs> because that's fairly commonplace. Is, but that's okay. a good point, actually. <laughs> um, he is. You know, he. If you want to consider him a singleton, like if you want to do uh-huh. Mothman, Injured Cold, even some of the other ones later, you're more than welcome to. Much more humanoid than much of our our usual singleton fare, as he is just a six foot tall, slender, human appearing individual. Uh, he has dark, slick back hair, and uh, he has like tan Caucasian skin, mm-hmm. beady eyes that are often described as like being far apart on his face, just like. A little uncanny valley-ish, uh, but not like something that would be inhuman. Uh, he wears mm-hmm. a suit that is either green, blue, or black and appears reflective, even though it looks like a traditional, you know, like two-piece suit. It has a reflective sure. quality to it. I like this remind I'm I'm flashing back to the Chuck Tingle monsters that I presented to mm. you earlier and just like yeah no everything about this individual is making me very uncomfortable like you know in in that way that i would expect i'm like absolutely <laughs> like mothman i'm like oh mothman. mothman and this character i'm like Gah! stay away <laughs> like 10 foot pole it's fine <laughs> so technically 
to to be fair to this sort of concept, you can over dry clean a suit and it has a sheen to it because of the. the you fibers. can. Yeah. That is true, actually. Uh, yeah. But it seems mm-hmm. like when they talk about reflective, they mean almost metallic, like plasticine mm-hmm. even. But what sets everything else apart, what, what people notice first and foremost, is that he has an unsettlingly wide, unbreaking smile at all times. Even when he talks. I hate that. Ear to ear smile. Nope. And not like, again, not like inhuman, but just like Uncanny Valley. I hate Right? I hate yeah. it. Uh-huh. So technically there is a first encounter with injured cold where a couple of boys in New Jersey say they're chased by a grinning man in a green reflective suit, but he never gives them his name. And judging by the second encounter, injured cold seems to be more of a personable, relatable individual who would introduce himself. Maybe this is his first try talking to people and he thinks you should chase them with a big smile. That's what I'm putting this on. If this is injured cold. Sure. But the boys basically get away and yeah, they don't see him anymore. Uh, And also we learn later that from Mr. Cold, that there are other grinning men. So maybe this one wasn't him. Okay. Yeah. The first encounter with where Injured Cold introduces himself was actually, and this is why it gets tied into Mothman. It was nine days mm-hmm. before the, the Mothman sighting of the TNT plant. So this is one hour west of Point Pleasant. This is November 2nd, 1966. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a man named Woodrow Derenberger, Woody, to his friends who was driving home. Obviously. To, uh, obviously. Good old Woody. He's driving home to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. Woody is a sewing machine salesman and was driving home from a business trip in Ohio. As he's driving, he sees a set of strange lights. Lights that apparently other people along the road had seen and went, nope, not today, Satan, and kept driving. (laughs) Smart. They were smart. Woody was a little curious, though. So he decides Mm. to slow down. And he sees that the lights are attached to a large craft. Craft shaped like, what are they called? A kerosene lamp, like the glass on a kerosene lamp. I think it's called a kerosene lamp chimney. You know, where you like, you turn up, it has like the bulb at the bottom and kind of tapers to the top. So it's a ship Mm -hmm. shaped like that. We had one of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the ship lands and as Woody is just sitting there, a guy comes out, apparently humanoid human person with a big smile in a suit who walks right over to Woody's car. And the entire time he keeps his hands tucked into his armpits and he walks over to Woody's car. And one of the first things that he asks is if Woody. Superstar. Yeah. I had that thought too. Thank you. Oh, we're so old. Um, So kids back in the day, there was a show called Saturday night live and there was a woman named Molly (laughs) Shannon and she was a fantastic comedian. She had a number of great characters. One of them. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the actual character, but yeah, superstar. She put her hands in her armpits and then when she gets nervous and then she would Gallagher. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) This is an episode about Mothman, but look, when you're of a certain generation, you can't talk about putting your hands under your armpits without thinking of Mary Catherine Gallagher. Surprisingly educational as part of the show. Yes. But he goes up to Woody. Woody rolls down his window for some ungodly reason. And Injured Cold says, would you prefer to speak with our mouths or our minds? Oh. And Woody, not realizing that he thinks our minds, Injured Cold then speaks to him telepathically. And they have this entire conversation (laughs) telepathically. Cool. So Injured Cold just has fucking small talk with this guy. He's like... Sure. What do you do? And Darren Berger says that he is a sewing machine salesman. And Injured Cold goes, okay, that's nice. And Darren Berger says, what do you do? And he says, well, I am a traveler and I mean you no harm. Whoa. And as the, the conversation goes on, Indrid says, like, you know, we are not you, but like you, we eat, we breathe, we sleep, we even bleed as you do. And we will see you again. Huh. So their conversation goes on. Darren Berger would have adventures with Indrid Cold. Uh, he learns that Indrid Cold is from a planet called Lanulos in the galaxy of Ganymedes. And okay. Indrid Cold tells him there are two other grinning men like him named, I'm going to say Demo. It's D-E-M-O. I don't think it's Demo. I think it's Demo Hassan. And Carl Ardo. Those are some check tingle names. Carl Ardo. Carl Ardo. Demo Hassan. Demo Hassan, maybe. So Woody, like I said, had some adventures later on. He wrote them all down. Sensationalized significantly, I think. 
the, his book was called Visitors from Lanulos, in which he describes the travels he takes in Indrid Cold Spaceship. Uh, first, they go to the oil fields of Iraq and Afghanistan for some fucking reason. I don't know. Um, but eventually, Indrid Cold takes him to the planet of Lanulos, which proves to be this lush jungle planet, which is inhabited by sexy, naked humanoids. <laughs> Of course it is. This isn't a pulp novel at all. What are you talking about? I'm like, was like, man, I feel like I've read this book before. Yeah, there you <laughs> okay. go. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it definitely has some uh, Slaughterhouse Five vibes to it a little bit there. There would be one more sighting of cold after this, but in the same time period. There's a woman, Linda Lilly, whose family was under, like, ongoing having these uh, poltergeist attacks in their home uh, where they would also see these diamond shaped lights. And apparently she woke up one night to see a tall man with a wide smile and a reflective suit standing over her in her bedroom. And she pulls the sheets over her face. And once she pulls him back, he's gone. Mm -hmm. So again, uh -huh. not, not introducing himself. I think injured cold is a little more polite than that, but these are like the, yeah. the three big ones. And then, you know, of course uh, the, the book, uh, visitors from Landlos describes injured cold much more significantly, but sure because he shows up nine days prior to Mothman, because the men in black are become more and more of the Mothman story and he gets tied into them. He, he gets tied into the Mothman story a lot. Okay. What I think is that injured cold smile and like the hands in the armpits. I think he's trying to emulate his best version of being non-threatening to a person. Yeah, sure. But just going like a little too far into it. Like the smile needs to be a yeah. little bit less. It's it's again, it's uncanny valley. It's like, totally. it's like something that isn't human trying to emulate a human. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Indrid Cold has his whole deal, but there are other men in black encounters that occur and... These events are definitely what bring in the UFO aspects to Mothman. Because again, Andrew Cold's definitely connected to UFOs, aliens. It came down in a fucking Right. Ship. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the other men in black, not so obvious about it. But, you know, again, UFO sightings were frequent around this time. Mm -hmm. And the men in black who show up are rarely comforting in appearance. In the same way that Indrid Cold had his uncanny valley. The men in black that are described when they are described also have an uncanny valley aspect to them different though so in addition mm -hmm. to the 60s attire the black suits black tie the black you know hat whether it be a derby fedora or trilby black sunglasses too of course mm -hmm. of course they sometimes are described Key. as not having ears just like having the hole not like the actual cartilage uh -huh. oh yeah sure okay sure why not uh, not having eyebrows or when Ooh. you look at them closely enough you realize that their features are makeup that um, one person had some men in black show up. He gave them a glass of water, only to realize that their lips were lipstick. Oh. And that had been, just been painted on and were coming off with the water on the glass. So it almost just looked like a skin-colored suit that then like, the lips had been painted on. Like somebody put, a, like, just drew a face on Slender Man. Exactly. Okay, yes. great, cool. And, or, like, the skin kind of sits loose. And their voices were often distorted as if they were not coming from a place other than like the mouth lungs diaphragm. They were coming from another part of the body, sounded robotic, sounded way too monotone. Uh, and the message that the men in black gave was cross the board, threatening and confusing. Okay. So people who saw the Mothman or UFOs were almost cross the board sure to get a strange call in the night. This call would sometimes have a person on the other end telling them to forget what they saw, to not tell anyone what they saw. Sometimes it wouldn't be anyone. Sometimes it would be a metallic screeching noise. Oh, I hate this. And the calls would repeat and repeat, especially if the person was telling the story. If they were ignoring the warnings, mm -hmm. you might have a couple of men in black show up at your door. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they would be very... They, they, in no uncertain terms would they inform you that you need to shut your fucking mouth or something bad would happen. Stop talking about the Mothman. Uh, they would threaten them with sometimes like psychological torture. They would threaten them to say like, hey, every time you talk about this, you're going to get a headache. Yeesh. You're, you're, you're going to be like, I'm going to put you under psychological attack every time 
that you you even think about this, so don't even think about it kind of stuff. Linda, to go back to Linda Scarberry, she believed that the goal of the Men in Black was to distract everyone so that they could kidnap children from the area and shape their minds to some sort of malicious end. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of it goes into, like, children kidnapping. I mean, conspiracy theories often do, yeah. as we can see now. Well, that's the scariest um, thing ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody taking our, taking our kids and making them liberals. Mm-hmm. Do you know where your children are? And that's, you know, the 60s. Kidnapped by the Mothman. Or by the men yeah. in black. Kidnapped by the men in black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were people who agreed with her, uh, or at least thought that the Mothman was being used as a smokescreen by the U.S. government. I mean, they hadn't really been treated the best by the U.S. government up to this point. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, there was, there was definitely some thoughts out there that go into the conspiracy side that Mothman was just, you know, yeah, a smokescreen. That was a distraction. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. But through all of this, John Keel is collecting reports. He's collecting reports of the men in black uh, calls the, the visits. So he details those as well. He's keeping all of the Mothman encounters as well. He's basically a one man investigation team at this point. Again, he says he received over a thousand accounts of Mothman, men in black, other miscellaneous paranormal activity, poltergeist activity is mm -hmm. really big in the area. UFOs. Sure. Again, this this number is probably way overblown, but yeah, sure. whatever. Okay. Like I said, he did connect with Linda Scarberry a number of times, learned about the Men in Black that she had encountered, learned about it from other people as well. One of the interesting things, something I mentioned last episode, people who witnessed Mothman also started to have prophetic dreams. Right. Not all of them paid off, mm. but some did. Oh. A couple of people had prophetic dreams about the assassination of JFK. Huh. Which would occur the following year. Yep. Mm -hmm. And some of them were detailed enough to point to Texas. Not enough to prevent anything, but, you know, a, a concern. Sure. However, I think the most interesting prophecy came from a woman named Mary Heyer, who in November of 1967 had a dream about people drowning in the Ohio River as Christmas presents bobbed in the water around them. Oh, and only a month later, her prophecy would come true. Oh, no. So we're going to get that in just a moment. I just want to mention that some reports given to Keel also did contradict earlier accounts. There are some saying, that, I think I mentioned this earlier, mm -hmm. that some accounts said Mothman's four feet tall. Mm -hmm. I think that supports there being more than one, and it may be even baby ones. Like baby moth. I mean, the- Bubble Mothmans. Baby Mothmans. You know, so many cryptids, we only hear about there being one, but I feel like it would make more sense for there to be multiple, if you see multiple sightings, that you're seeing more than one. Exactly. More than one of that exist. I also didn't want Keel to get off the hook for this one. He had an interesting theory about uh, Mothman in that Mothman was attracted by blood, whether because he consumed it or because there's like magical okay. power to blood um but apparently there were several sightings of mothman following a blood mobile like a traveling blood bank so yeah and uh, and john notes that women who were menstruating were more susceptible to encounters with mothman because he can oh. blood it's like a oh, fucking anchorman God. joke that is the bears. The bears. Can the bears can smell the menstruation. I, I do think it's kind of interesting because um, you had like called Mothman a harbinger and this this sort of idea of prophecy being connected to the Mothman and mm -hmm. also the fact that it's more like most descriptions suggest that he's more bird like. Only I find it fascinating because as you know I've been doing a lot of research um, lately about uh, the Morrigan who is the Celtic goddess of war and blood and fate and prophecy. Mm -hmm. And like, it's interesting yep. because there's a sh more parallels than I thought between, and I wouldn't have guessed that between Mothman and the Morrigan. And, you know, I'm like, try, I'm making, I'm doing yep. the Charlie Day connections on the wall sort of situation there. Mm -hmm. All those red light. Yeah. Add that one up there. There's, yeah. there's plenty of red, uh, red yeah. threads leading to Mothman already. So now right. the sad, not so sexy stuff. It's a big part of the story. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The collapse of the Silver Bridge. So 13 months to the day after the first Mothman sighting, the first official Mothman sighting, the Silver Bridge collapsed. December 15th, 1967. Wow. 13 months to the day. That's, that's still a, That's an ominous number right there. It is indeed. 
So the Silver Bridge, originally called the Point Pleasant Bridge, but because it was made out of aluminum, just got the moniker the Silver Bridge, uh, was originally built in 1928. Okay. There's a lot of reasons why this bridge failed. I, I, when I it just want to say before um, you, it, it's a 40-year-old bridge made of aluminum. It's it's a 40-year-old bridge with, yes, okay. uh, aluminum joints to it. However, there's there's a number of other factors sure. which kind of go into this. And actually, I, I do want to double check that uh, oh. aluminum paint is... Oh, so, good. yes, it's not, not made of aluminum, aluminum okay. paint. I do want to be clear about that. Okay. So, the bridge had not been inspected for 16 years. The collapse that occurred was determined to be the result of a defect mm-hmm. in an eye bar pin that was only a tenth of an inch deep. So even if it had been inspected by like the most intense inspection, they still very likely sure. could have missed this defect. It was it was an old bridge with not a lot of like right. backups to it. There wasn't a plan B if one thing failed, even something mm-hmm. as small as an eye bar pin. So this defect essentially caused the bridge, which was, it was packed with cars at the time. Sure. Which is the end of something. Mm-hmm. This is Christmas traffic. And so we have bumper to bumper cars that had been bumper to bumper for, I mean, five days sure. a week for years. And the I-bar fails and the bridge collapses. 46 people died. They, they drowned in the Ohio River uh, or were crushed by the mm-hmm. impact of the bridge collapsing on top Oof. of them. Um, two bodies out of that 46 were never found. Uh, they tried to reclaim as much as they could. But when we look at, again, the causes, bumper to bumper traffic five days a week for years, the bridge built in 1928. I did a little research just to see the difference in automobiles, because also if you think about 1928, the model a Mm -hmm. had just come out. People were driving model T's still. That was their, their primary mode of getting around. Model a was like, Oh, you had money to get another car. And even if you're looking at, you know, the difference in, in that versus what a car was Mm -hmm. in the mid sixties, uh, you know, the builder, the engineers of that bridge couldn't have predicted how popular cars were going to be in the first place. They couldn't have predicted how heavy cars would be and how frequent that traffic would be because you're constantly going back and forth between, you know, West Virginia, Ohio, because West Virginia doesn't have a lot of commerce to it. You're going over to Gallipolis. And so uh, I looked at a 1964 Buick Special, which weighed just Mm -hmm. short of 3,000 pounds. That's over 1,000 pounds greater than an average Model A and almost double the weight of a Model T. So even if you're doing the math and going, oh, it's going to be bumper to bumper Model T's, Model A's, you're, the math still doesn't math there to yeah, what it would be in the 60s. So what was the bridge that carried, you know, Route 35 across the Ohio River just went down. And the silver lining to this silver bridge is that this collapse set off a flurry of investigations across the U.S. where all of a sudden we realized, holy shit, we hadn't investigated this for <laughs> 16 years. Look at all the other bridges we built during this time because it was only a few years after this that FDR's New Deal occurred and we built bridges everywhere. fucking everywhere uh-huh. during the New Deal. Like this bridge got built during the Great Depression, but it was right after that that it was just like so much infrastructure yeah. across the U.S. and we hadn't looked yeah. into fucking any of it. But the connection to all of this, in addition to mm-hmm. the premonition that Miss Heyer had, was that people said they saw Mothman near the bridge, uh-huh. even on the bridge prior to its collapse. And in addition to being 13 months to the day, this is where people say that all of this, all of these Mothman sightings had been leading up mm-hmm. to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. And that was the last time that anyone in Point Pleasant reported seeing the Mothman. Whoa. Oh, <sighs> so was Mothman a harbinger? Yeah. Did Mothman cause it? Oh. You know, it's, why was why was Mothman there if Mothman was there at all? Oh, you might never know. Oh. But there are some similar cryptids which have appeared in other places of the world that kind of. I think lend uh, a bit of insight okay. into what Mothman is. So we'll talk about those. We'll talk about some theories as to what Mothman is, and then we'll go to where Mothman might have moved. Mm. So in Freiburg, Germany, in 1978, a few years after, one well, guess about 12 years after, uh, no, 11 years after the collapse of the Silver Bridge, was the Freiburg Shrieker 
Oh, okay. It was a Mothman-like figure who appeared near a coal mine in Freiburg, Germany. It's a city near Baden-Württemberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, as the miners are trying to get into this coal mine, this dark figure, like a man with wings, f- opens his wings wide and shrieks at them and chases off these miners. I'm sure they were of age, but they're miners. Um, no. A terrible joke. Awful. But as as like the miners are trying to get in, they're like, oh, we're not going over there. There's some like giant bird demon monster that's chasing us off. They feel like a rumble beneath their feet. And like the bird monster eventually disappears later that day. They come to find that the mine had collapsed. Who that same day. And had they been allowed down there, there's no way everybody would have made it out. So here you have another bird like harbinger uh-huh, chasing people uh-huh. off with a, with a shriek. Yep. Then we have the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Okay. So the All Chernobyl right. disaster, the infamous uh, nuclear disaster in in Ukraine of uh, the Chernobyl nuclear plant during the uh, the reign of the USSR, there was a sighting of a giant red-eyed flying creature which was spotted during and after the Chernobyl disaster. Literally, as the people are trying to like assess and then clean up and then try to survive the Chernobyl disaster. They keep seeing this giant red eyed screeching shadowy bird monster. Okay. Uh, And even like (laughs) flies into like almost knocks a helicopter off, off kilter because it flies right in the face of them. They, They can see it flying around the smoke of the radioactive plant going off. And what's notable and not notable about this is that every person who's reported seeing the Blackbird of Chernobyl died shortly thereafter. Oh, they died of radiation poisoning. Well, yeah, I mean, fucking Chernobyl, but yeah, yeah they, sure, they also, yeah, like, yeah. So again, a harbinger? Question mark? Question mark? Who? Uh, there was another supposed Mothman sighting that was seen near a bridge collapse in Minnesota, and this one's. There are alleged photos of Mothman prior to 9/11 in New York City. Oh. Alleged photos. Alleged. I mean, I'm, okay. I cannot put enough stank right. on alleged. <laughs> yeah, I, that one's, I don't know. Uh, but like we talked about, there are other cryptids that aren't necessarily harbingers that do kind of relate to Mothman. The Flatwoods monster we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Owlman of Cornwall, which is right, which we, we talked about. Brought it up. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily a harbinger, but like has those similar qualities especially if you're talking about like a if you're talking about mothman as a bird man right very similar qualities so mm-hmm. some theories as to what the mothman is mm-hmm. um the first thing that a lot of people point to is mass hysteria if we're, if we're pointing to the fact that mothman doesn't exist Fair mass enough. hysteria or mass hallucinations a lot of okay. people say ah you had one of the top 10 most polluted places in the u.s it was polluting the water and everybody was having hallucinations because everybody was high as fuck i mean Sure. It yes. feels weird to me that, I mean, the idea that everybody's hallucinating makes sense to me. Mm. The idea that everybody's hallucinating the same thing or very similar things is always like, yeah. And there's the thing of like, you know, you, you pressure somebody and, you know, they'll think of the same thing. True. Yeah. Don't think of a pink elephant, you know. Right. Although admittedly, as somebody with a sleep paralysis demon who has a sleep paralysis demon who looks very similar to other people's sleep paralysis demons, like... Okay, maybe there's some truth to that too. So that you know. that's also an interesting brain thing. The the hat uh-huh. man always fascinates me because of how many people see that and yeah. I there's there's a lot of evolutionary psychology that goes into the that, which man. I find very interesting. It's yeah. Wild. Yeah, the fact that a hat makes something look bigger and in nature making yourself look bigger is more terrifying. But <laughs> the nice thing about the groundwater contamination is it was determined by scientists to actually not be a factor at all. The the groundwater oh. was not it was not contaminated to the point where it actually would have affected anybody in Point Pleasant, let alone cause hallucinations. Who decided so cross- that that was not affected? Or so you said? Okay. I, I think they had EPA researchers actually do that. I, I don't know exactly, but that was like one of the things they've they've crossed off. And yeah, very well, it could be the government going, "Nah, you're fine." No, it's totally fine. It's you don't have anything to worry about. It's totally not the groundwater that's making people sick. Uh, you know, I'm like. Not to be all like conspiracy theorist, but you know, I yeah, no, you know, yeah, there's I see where you're coming a, from. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, so there are some things where I'm like, well, me, okay, you might have a point. There. 
So I'm gonna knock off all the like Mothman doesn't exist first because they're mm-hmm. the lame ones, and the the ones of like what if Mo- what is Mothman are so right. much more interesting. Okay. So another big thing that people point to is the Sandhill Crane. Sandhill Crane is a massive bird when it spreads its wings. It has the potential oh. for eye shine. It's a uh-huh. big fucking bird. And especially yeah. if you have been driving out there smoking a little bit in the Sandhill Crane, which is a territory bird, which uh-huh. does nest in that area of West Virginia, oh. might just chase you for a little bit. I Well, and it would it would connect with the white, with the pale look, too. And the yes. big, yeah, those are some and, big fucking birds, too. And they also have a migratory pattern, which will come up here momentarily. But. Oh. Another thing that people point to is, oh, a lot of people saw Mothman right outside their window, perched on a branch, and with the eyes just glowing at them, and everybody's like, that's an owl. Mm, you just yeah. saw an owl. You it's just saw eye shine off of an owl. So people point to eye shine. One of my favorite theories that ties into, and now we're getting into the woo shit, even with owls, is there's a cryptozoologist named Mark Hall who says that Mothman sightings are actually Birdman sightings, and they increased in the 60s because of cars. Because of cars. Because of cars. Because Mark okay. Hall believes that the, the Mothman was not chasing the car, that it was, in fact, using the air currents, basically drifting oh. off of the car to travel farther. Um. And that we were seeing these creatures so much more because they were using cars to fucking Tokyo drift. And like, oh my God, a, I love that so much. They were drafting. They were drafting off of, off of cars. Oh my uh, god. However, Mark does again does not believe that Mothman is a moth. He actually believes that Mothman is another cryptid, which is a giant owl that he calls Big Hoot. Oh god. Because he changed the F to an H. Not it's not Bigfoot, it's Big Hoot. Oh god. Like, no, no. I hate everything about that. So It just shows that failed comedians can be cryptozoologists too. Apparently. Yeah. Oh, no. I do. I, you know, the idea of Mothman using the air currents of cars, like, just makes me love Mothman that much more. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> the other thing that a lot of people point to when it gets into the... Some people say that the, the collapse of the bridge and that Mothman itself is an aspect of a curse. That mm-hmm. the land of West Virginia, especially the land of Point Pleasant, is cursed. Uh, and this goes back even before the f- the founding of the United States mm-hmm. to Lord Dunmore's war, which was like a sub war of the French and Indian war. Okay. So this is still, you know, the British, Virginia, right. they had a treaty with the local indigenous people that basically said the Ohio river is their, their border. Don't cross mm-hmm. the Ohio river. That's indigenous land. You can have everything on the other side, except it's, they're colonists. They, they're right, like, of well, course. They'd be like, oh, nah. I but I want to side the river. Yeah. So Lord Dunmore's war uh, was this, it was a much bigger war, but there actually was a battle of Point Pleasant, which was significant because that would be the battle that would essentially end the, the war. Oh. Uh, the battle of Point Pleasant was on October 10th, 1774. It led to the Treaty of Camp Charlotte. That was where the Native Americans of the Ohio River Valley essentially surrendered their hunting rights south of Ohio, Mm -hmm. uh, agreed to cease attacks on travelers. It basically just opened up all of that area and reset all of the boundaries between the Native lands and the Ohio country then to the West. Hmm. So it reset the Appalachian boundary redefined by, they had a Royal proclamation before the French and Indian war. And essentially when that happened, the French and Indian war ended. Okay. But the British were not good victors on that. Shocking. Yes. They were sore winners on that. The, the battle of Point Pleasant was particularly brutal. It was mostly hand to hand and it was fought between the British and Chief Cornstalk was the the native leader. Uh, Chief Cornstalk was, uh, essentially, he was forced to sign the treaty mm-hmm. and given assurances. And then those assurances were immediately broken as he and his son were brutally murdered. And it is said that Chief Cornstalk's dying breath was to curse the land and curse the people that lived on it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, ah, here is this native curse of... 
Chief Cornstalk. That is that is why the bridge collapsed. That is why Point Pleasant to this day continues to suffer economically. That's why West Virginia has suffered economically so much. The people continue to suffer so much. Huh. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of people that, that point to that as the reason. So... There's other, if we're going to talk about, like, you know, indigenous curses and monsters and all that kind of stuff, there's other tribal legends in the area. Sure. Uh, as with much indigenous lore, there are giant birds. Like, the Thunderbird isn't really as big a deal in that area of the country. No. But, but... there are other giant birds. Um, mm-hmm. th- they have one that is, uh, it's, I can't remember its name, but it's basically, it's a flying feathery head. That's also vampiric. It has claws and it spreads disease. Oh. And we're also harbingers of dooms. So they're just like flying heads. Oh, uh, that sounds familiar, but I, I don't know the name of them. But that that imagery is sparking something. Yeah, I know mm. they have. There's there's two of them. There's uh, the missing wa and the wape. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember which is which in that. And those are Shawnee lore. Mm-hmm. One of them almost looks like a flying Bigfoot, at least in the ceremonial dress. They they do the, the bread dance. They have uh-huh. a ceremonial dress of of the, the missing wa, which makes it look hairier. That might be the depiction of the flying head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A flying Bigfoot, you say. Fascinating. A flying Bigfoot. A bat squatch, you might say. <laughs> that's, uh, that's our deal. So another interesting bit of lore that I kind of look into is the concept of the Garuda. Do you know what a Garuda is? I I only think of uh, the Legend of Zelda when I Legend, hear that sure. word. Sure. Yeah. Yes, Ger- Gerudo, I think, is, is that it, one. Yes, I know, but also yeah. similar enough. Uh, uh-huh. The Garuda is a, a Hindu deity of birds. It's basically a, a bird oh, deity. Oh, got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. So is a Hindu deity primarily depicted as the mount of the Hindu god Vishnu. and it is the king of birds and a kite-like figure oh so we're we're gonna get we're gonna dig a little deep here and hope that we can find our way back out okay Um, there's the concept of the garuda and the naga and when it comes down to conspiracy theory that is the idea of birds versus snakes or reptilians and Uh if we really dig this is it it, it is what it is (laughs) yes um there's the concept of reptilians, even if you uh-huh. get into ufology or if you talk about um, reptilians. Again, I'm not talking about reptilians with like a, a wink or like quotations around them or an uh, asterisk because that's right. anti-Semitic as shit. No, I'm talking Correct. about actual reptilians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the concept that reptilians are some extra dimensional beings who feed off the misery of people and that the Garuda are the antithesis of that. That they are the, oh. the bird people who fight against the Naga. Okay. Uh, but still can be harbingers of doom. And where I actually saw this first introduced was years and years ago when I worked at Barnes and Noble, there was this anthology work called The Monster Corner. And in that book was a short story called Rattler and Mothman, where essentially the main character, Rattler, who's just this like, you know, guy who lives out in the woods. Uh-huh. meets Mothman to find that Mothman is a Garuda, this ancient bird spirit, whether it be Interesting. A- alien, extra-dimensional nut, who explains that he showed up all those years ago to collapse the bridge because the bridge was a pathway to the land of snakes, uh, which is supposed <laughs> to be a reference to, like, you know, Ohio and how, like, the, the rest of the country would be this polluted place where the, the reptilians could get us or something like that. It was hmm. this... It was a story I did not understand at the time because sure. I had not gotten like super deep into, again, Fordian stuff. But yeah, it's one of those things where when people talk about the Mothman as a Garuda, whether if it is a bird person, that it is this sort of creature, this harbinger, this creature of mm-hmm. of bringing the the fall of something else. The yeah, this this spirit more than anything else. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, and then, you know, there's people that say, you know, more on the Christianity side, it's an angel or it's a demon. Uh, or sure. it's death. It's an aspect of death. Um, of course, there's the alien side to it all that, you know, Mothman's an alien or a distraction mm. or an alien refugee or uh, an alien, uh, like, escaped convict. Um, there's the theory that it's a mutant from the TNT pollution, that it's something out of in the course, woods. Of course, as that you do, pol- yeah. yeah. Um, 
one of my favorites is that it's a snub-nosed species of pterosaur, just so we can bring dinosaurs into this. <laughs> because why not? Why, why not? We already have, we have mythology covered. We have aliens covered. Might as well bring back in dinosaurs. We have Honestly. conspiracy theories. We have, yeah, mutants. Sure. Might as well bring in the dinosaurs. I still like with the, the Garuda and um, is the, again, having done a lot of research on the Morrigan and her ties to things like ravens and mm. also prophecy and war. And like, I'm just like, wow, this is so similar. It re- yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when you, you have these fate based deities. And also the yeah. like Celtic population in the Appalachians, yeah. like, you know, it, 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 it's wild the connections and how many similar ideas and how often the bird creatures become also harbingers of doom and how often that absolutely that connection gets made is fascinating yeah and i mean you can look into the fact that like you know after a battle you know especially a, a mm-hmm. medieval-esque battle or you know even going back in ancient mm-hmm. times what would be the first things to to feed off the dead they would probably be carrying the birds eaters. yeah yep. the birds you know and and that's also one of my big fascinations is how often dogs are associated with the afterlife when you're oh sure when you're looking at like Anubis or Chalotl or you know there's even Cerberus, uh, it's because mm-hmm. dogs kind of like walk that in between line between life and death for us. And I've talked about that on previous episodes, but yeah, no, it is it is fascinating to find those red threads and see how you can pull on them. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, those are some of the main theories. But like I said, I've I've hinted this before, and and here we're kind of getting into where Mothman went because Mothman did not just disappear. Uh, Mothman's Mothman's been about and Mothman has settled in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Why not? So whether you call it the Mothman of Chicago, the Owlman, the Batman, Gargoyle, Flying Witch, Deer Bat, Flying Humanoid, or even what has become most popular thanks to a particular website, the Phantom of Chicago, or as our podcast friends over at Super Superstitious have done a wonderful job of keeping up with the Phantom of the Chicago. No. Which it's fantastic. They do a great job over there. Check them out. Sometimes the eyes are yellow. Sometimes they are orange instead of red. But nevertheless, Chicago has had a large series, like over 160 in the greater area sightings of Mothman over the past five to 10 years, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read some of them, but we're talking about, uh, the website I'm talking about is Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, It is a website run by Lon Strickler, who is kind of a John Keel of our modern age. Not as, I think, prolific, but he does a great job of collecting stories that people send to him and doing his best to weed out the ones that don't really... You know, don't really track. I mean, he can only do his best. He is an armchair sure. cryptozoologist, as I understand it. He can only do his best to verify. But he does give a little comment as to, you know, the validity of any given post that he receives. Huh. So, yeah, over 160 reports. Uh, I've got a map pulled up. And it's just, yeah, the greater Chicago area is just full of them. You can see where all of the different sightings are. There's some of them in Milwaukee. There's some that go all the way down to Indiana. What's interesting about the... The variety is that, to go back to one of the theories, the collection of sightings is almost directly the migratory route of the Sandhill Crane. Whoa. So I'm not saying all of them. A lot of the sightings are bats or bat-like. They, they say that, <laughs> not, not just bats, but they say that it's like a humanoid with bat wings. Uh, okay. So, but that would not be a Sandhill Crane. People do know the difference between feathers and leathery skin and all that. So I will give them that. Fair enough. But, yeah, I, I so a lot of the sightings happen at O'Hare Airport. O'Hare Airport, apparently, I have flown out of O'Hare. I'm always wary about it because the amount of shit that happens around O'Hare. They so have much. Mothman sightings. There are sightings mm-hmm. of hairy cubes, which are just flying cubes that seem to be hairy. I hate that. Yeah, I don't blame you. No. And apparently they've also spotted a fucking rocketeer. There's a person with a jetpack who has been Ooh. flying around the planes and okay. they haven't caught him yet or determined that he's necessarily real. But that's been something that pilots have reported is they're seeing somebody with what appears to be a jetpack flying around the planes. Okay. So I have a, a collection of 
four, yes, four accounts that, uh, of people who have written in, called in, emailed, whatever to, uh, to phantoms and monsters. So I figured we'd kind of build up here, see what people are, are saying that they saw. Uh, so the first one I have is the seven to eight foot tall red-eyed winged being encountered by O'Hare, a Chicago department of aviation employee. They're not really mm-hmm. known for their titles. So this is, uh, was received by Phantoms of Monsters 40 and research investigator Manuel Navarrete, uh, Navarre perhaps. Good afternoon. I wanted to relate a possible sighting of the Chicago Mothman that I had on April 15th, 2021 at approximately 9 p.m. at Chicago O'Hare. I initially was not going to report this, and I kept it to myself for fear of someone thinking I had lost my mind with seeing things. That changed when I read the sighting that was posted on Facebook about the gentleman who had the Mothman sighting not even two blocks from where I work. The sighting prompted me to look up your website and eventually send this to you. I work for the Chicago Department of Aviation at the office located on the airport grounds. I have worked there for about nine years and have previously worked at the airport in another capacity for about five years prior. So pretty reliable guy, all things told. Mm -hmm. I know the sure. airport like I know the palm of my hand, and I've heard the stories that people tell about the strange goings-on and happen that happened with surprising frequency. My sighting happened after I stayed late to catch up on work and had left about 9 p.m. As I walked into the building in the parking lot, I heard what I can only describe as wings fluttering, kind of like you hear when a bird is going to take off or land. I dismissed it just as geese, uh, as the airport is literally has literally hundreds of them that hang around doing whatever geese seemed to do. What followed was a loud <laughs> screech. Sure. Yeah, well, just, you know, geese life. Hashtag, yeah. hashtag honk. Uh, nothing like a goose's honk, but very, very loud, ear-splitting screech, like what you hear when a train is applying its brakes. But it was different as it went from a higher octave to a lower one and then higher again. I know it was hmm. not the train, as the train tracks are on the other side of the airport, about three to four miles away. I continued to walk toward my car when I heard the screech again, and it sounded like it was coming from behind me. I turned to look towards the trees over by the road and saw what looked like two red eyes looking right at me. I stood there looking at those eyes for what seemed like an eternity. I couldn't move and felt like the air was being sucked out of my lungs, almost like I was having an asthma attack. I saw this thing emerge from around the trees. It was illuminated from behind the warehouses that were across the road, and it must have been seven to eight feet tall and was black. About this time, a large truck was coming down the road, and it shot into the air and was gone in a matter of a second. I stood there for a few seconds, still too afraid to move. When I finally came to my senses, it practically sprinted from my car. I could not get into my car fast enough as I closed the door. I heard the screech again, turned on my car, and left as quickly as I could. Basically, I'm not one for over-exaggeration. This felt like I was being stalked. I felt sick to my stomach for two to three days after that encounter. It took just as long for the feelings of paranoia to finally go away. It was the feeling of utter and complete hopelessness that disturbed me the most and helped contribute to my hesitancy of telling someone. I didn't even tell my boyfriend of this until after I decided to send this letter to you. Whoa. So a lot of Mothman stuff going into that and right around wow. right around O'Hare. The next one, this is Jogger Encounters Chicago Phantom Near the Navy Pier. Mm-hmm. This was also provided to uh, Manuel at the UFO Clearinghouse. I was out for a late jog on Saturday evening about 7 o'clock p.m. It's June 17th. I was taking my usual route along the lakefront jogging trail headed toward Navy Pier. As I passed Ohio Street and Beach and headed toward the pier, I saw what looked like a giant bat fly over from what looked like under the bridge and that holds up North Lakeshore Drive. It flew parallel to East Grand Avenue and then up and over the trees toward the water treatment plant. The whole incident lasted a few seconds, and getting any exact details was hard to do due to low light, but I can make an educated guess and say that it looked like it was the height of an average man, about six feet tall, and I was also maybe 15 to 20 feet away from it when I saw it. It looked like a great big bat, solid black, but it stood out against the building and had a wingspan that must have been at least seven to eight feet from tip to tip. It was silent as far as I could tell, but there was not a lot of city noise in that area with traffic and whatnot. I know I was not the only one who saw it, as it was about six, seven others noticed it too, and I heard what more than one person say, look at that, as it flew. <laughs> you could tell it was flapping its large wings, gaining speed and altitude, till it cleared the trees and headed off toward the water treatment plant. When I reached the point where I could look out toward the plant, it was gone. Check my watch at that time and note the time at 7.08 p.m., and the weather was cloudy. We had storms pass through the area earlier that day. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he just, uh, Batman. And it literally has, Batman. yeah, it has the, the tag on it, man bat also. <laughs> Not man bat. Man bat. Some other, I couldn't find the ones that I had heard before. I'd, I'd heard, again, I listened to Super Superstitious. I had heard some before where some people are out in one of the parks. They see something flying up above. And then out of nowhere, like somebody runs up and starts like 
in a trench coat pulls out a gun and starts shooting at it like a man in black just shows up to shoot at this bat monster and everybody starts what? fleeing i couldn't find that one for the life of me but i remember hearing that dang it i also remember hearing somebody who's like you know investigating or it's like their job to go up into like one of the towers one of the bell towers of something or other and they found like a sleeping man bat like a humanoid oh. sized hanging upside down bat person uh-huh. So, well, sure. vampires in Chicago. Of course. I where If I were a vampire, I'd be in Chicago. Well, maybe not. Probably <laughs> not, actually. But, you know. It seems as good a place as any, really. I am actually going to... I'm going to skip this one. It says terrifying encounter, but it really wasn't. They just... They saw a big bat monster that, like, kind of followed them a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, but I do think that this next one is interesting because this one has... Um, it is titled... Chicago Phantom Leaps from Willis Tower. So those, huh. those of you who are old enough to remember the Willis Tower as the Sears Tower. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yes. So the large black building that has like the two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I received a telephone call from the witness named Guillermo at 7.38 p.m. Eastern Time, who states that he witnessed a flying human-like being at approximately 5.10 p.m. Central Time. This was a time difference of one hour, 18 minutes between the sighting and the call. The witness states he was attempting to calm down and then find somewhere to report the sighting. He found my telephone number online and then called. He still seemed somewhat stressed when we talked. The witness states that he was outside the Franklin Tap on 325 South Franklin Street while smoking a cigarette. He was alone at the time, although there were many people walking along the sidewalk. He happened to look Mm -hmm. upwards at the Willis Tower and noticed a human-like figure standing near the top of the building in a perched position. The being looked like a six-foot-tall human with tall wings that extended a few feet above the body. Gargoyle-esque, kind of, like Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Um, Like Batman. Like Batman, yes. As he watched, the being leapt from the building, stretched out its wings, dipped and swooped upwards. It gained altitude as it flapped its wings and headed off in a northern direction. The witness states that the being's outstretched wings were not very large, maybe six to eight feet from tip to tip, but were very jagged and insect-like, shaped similar to a moth. The being was also dark green in color and had a body form like that of a mantis. That's new. Fascinating. The legs seemed to be human-like and extended beyond the body while flying. He called it a human, insect, and bird mix that seemed to mutate while in flight. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Oh, okay. The witness tells me that he had not heard any of the previous sightings and that other people he talked to were unaware of the sightings as well. I had asked the witness to stay in touch. I have his contact information. And then we have the the note from from, uh, Lon. Once again, another variation in description. I have thought that there may have been at least three different beings reported. I am now convinced that theory is correct. This was the first sighting in July 2017 and the first sighting since June 30th sighting in Logan Square and the June 29th sighting in Auburn Gresham. I received a message today from a friend on Facebook who stated, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the Sears Tower is in peril in Chicago. A vision, if you will. The Sears Tower is renewed. Well, blah, blah, blah. So... That's the other thing I kind of want to touch on, especially with this yeah. one at the end. It's mm-hmm. it's been six years. the The Willis Tower is fine. That Chicago's fine. Chicago hasn't had right. any like, you know, Point Pleasant esque, Chernobyl esque disasters happen to it. It's true. So is this something else? Is Mothman just waiting, biding its time for something, or did we avoid it Never altogether? Know. Possibly. Possibly. But, uh, or maybe just retired the Harbinger lifestyle. Just to, yeah, to, to <laughs> Chi Town. Absolutely. Just, sure. just flapping around uh, the former Sears Tower. Uh, yeah, I I also love the, the way that he writes this. Like he's, you know, um, it feels very noir to me until he mentions Facebook. Like it, it, <laughs> it almost feels like almost FBI, you know, sitting uh-huh. in a room, a darkened room with a cigarette. You know, he's he's giving all the details. The first sighting in July 2017. The first sighting since June 30th sighting in Logan Square and June 29th sighting mm-hmm. in Auburn Gresham. I received a message today from a friend on Facebook. It's just, no, it's, <laughs> it ruins it all. Um, totally. Completely. So that's that's what I have for the Mothman, for wow. the Phantom of the Chicago, for the... Birdman of Point Pleasant for the uh, the Black Bird of Chernobyl, uh, the Big Hoot, the big the Big Hoot, the um, 
Oh shoot, I'm trying to remember all of them now. The you will never oh, the Freiburg big Shrieker. Tooth, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that one was good. Yeah, or and you know even injured cold. If you want to toss him into that, we've you, you have uh, a smorgasbord of of harbingers to, to aliens. God, God only knows what all these things actually are. Um, I also will say that uh, if you if you you in the audience if you love Mothman, mm-hmm. Mothman Fest happens every year in September in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I highly suggest that you attend. The town needs I visitors. I go so bad. It's honestly, it's right around my birthday. I am would love would love to go. I've never been, even though I was close to it. I just never knew that's like right around there. So I and then I moved. <laughs> that's just that's and on then- me. Uh, well, then COVID happened, and then I moved. Well, yeah, yeah they did not do a whole thing COVID. there. So, uh, you can always find the Mothman Museum there, uh, which uh, the street front, the the main street of Point Pleasant, does not have a lot to it. Uh, there is last mm-hmm. time I was there, there was an art gallery. There's a nice little cafe. It's worth the price of admission just to go to the Mothman Museum. Just pay it. Aww. The the yeah. yeah, the gift shop is free to enter, but just pay it. Just check out their stuff. They got some fun stuff in there. And you can always see the statue. The statue's right there. You can take a picture with it. They love it. There's always somebody out there taking a picture. Like I've been out in the worst weather. I've been out a number of times. The statue's great. And you can put your hands on what I always like to call the clappable chrome cryptid cakes of that if if you've never seen the metallic mothman statue there is a very notably detailed ass and abs and like hairy chest and it's just yeah there's a lot going on it's there's it's detail it is lovingly rendered it's very detailed it looks nothing like any of the sightings of mothman oh no not not at all no not even but it's okay yeah but hey it's nice to know that the that the our favorite cryptid is still out there and still being cited, you know, because who knows? And you may still have a chance with that cryptid. That's true. If that's, that's, that was my takeaway from the more recent sightings. Just go to Chicago and you never know. Go to Chicago and just look up. the cryptid of your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it kind of is Mm -hmm. like living like with Batman, you know, or like a superhero, Mm -hmm. except I don't think Mothman's fighting crime. I think he's just screaming at people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that seems to be the 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 modus of operandi or whatever. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, the, how the moth <laughs> mothman modus operandi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, LD, what do you what do you think about mothman? Is or injured cult or any of them? Are there, are these potential dates for you? I okay. Well, I mean, so Indris, despite my initial reaction, the like the rigged the something about the encounter. With Woody has sort of endeared me to Indris in a way, Indrid, Indrid, yeah, that I Indrid in a way that I was not expecting, and I'm like, okay, like we could be buddies. But here's the thing: I think you know, OG Mothman has my heart. I, Mothman did nothing wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Mothman is just a like it was a warning, really, of things to come, and I feel like that Mothman was doing their best. And is completely innocent and also a very sexy cryptid. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would smooch Mothman. 10 out of 10, you just got to find the mouth. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's... That's part of the fun, you know. You know? We, I'm sure we could work something I'm out. I'm sure we could. Uh, fantastic. I, I hope you all have enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, Mothman, episode 69, episode 70, or 69.2. Yeah, this is, it's been a long time coming and we, we finally got there. I'm and so glad I got to be here for this. I'm, I'm so glad you were too. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. you so much. And Mothman's one of those, one of those big ones. And I feel like a weight off yeah. of my shoulders now that I've gotten all of this info. Like I I've know. said it all and now I don't have to say it again because I recorded it. Correct. Now, now we have to figure out our next big cryptid to talk about oh don't worry i got plenty of them there's there's plenty of heavy hitters out there and uh yeah now i gotta prep for episode 100 and oh golly i think that's gotta be nessie oh yeah of course yeah because we've done we've done bigfoot i think it's gotta be nessie i think so so. episode 100 it's gonna be loch ness monster i'm saying it now because this will be literally coming out christmas eve Oh my God! Happy Christmas! Happy Happy, happy Christmas. holidays to you all. Hanukkah, I believe, is already over. Sorry 
We should have said that earlier. Well, by the time this episode came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we really should have. But yes, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I don't think we'll have a new episode out uh, by the New Year because that'll be the week after this comes out. So take care of uh-huh. yourselves. Be safe. As, as smooch friends and family and cryptids alike. Take some time for yourself. Be kind to yourself. Remember that the greatest gift you can give is just you being around. You are a gift yourself. And we all uh-huh. love you very, very much and appreciate it's true. you. So You're wonderful. from all of us at Monster Crush, have a happy Christmas. Happy holidays. Indeed. And uh, thank you, LD, to to wrap this up. Thank you, Derek. And while we're thanking people and wishing a happy holidays to everyone, happy holidays. And thank you to Nick Lambert, our fabulous musician who composed our fabulous theme song. Uh, Not the Pacific Northwest second most eligible bachelor, but still an excellent musician. You can find Nick over on Lambertropolis on Instagram. We also want to thank and wish a happy holidays to everybody over on Sword and Key. There's on the Sword and Key Network, we are which we are a member. You can find all of their links on beacons.ai slash sword and key. They produce uh podcasts like this one or a podcast like this one, but you know, there could be more <laughs> this, podcasts. This exact like podcast, this one. in fact, yes. This this exact <laughs> podcast and lots of TTRPG content. That's true. Uh, and there's some exciting things coming up in the new year, I can tell you that much. Look for Sword and Key with underscores between the words on all, you know, of their various and sundry social medias and things. Um, if you like this episode, if you like Monster Crush Pod, make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review. That helps us a lot. So please go ahead and do that. You may even hear your review right online if it's like really nice, probably, or if it's funny or both. <laughs> you can find us here on Monster Crush Pod at on Instagram and Twitter and Blue Sky at Monster Crush Pod. And you can find all of our links on Linktree slash Monster Crush, which from there you can tweet at us, send us an Instagram DM, join the Monster Crush. Oh, also join the Monster Crush chat over on the Sword and Key Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine we'll post. We do post pic- sexy pictures of, uh, or at least kind of sexy pictures of Mothman. They're all sexy. sexy. I'll post. They're all sexy. I'll post some pictures of myself from the Mothman Museum from from a Yay. few years back. We'll do that at least. Hooray! Or you can even email us. Uh, so you can tell us our monster, what your monster crush is, not our monster crush. You know our monster crushes. Um, <laughs> what monsters you'd like to hear about in future episodes, and share your own spooky experiences with us. We may even share them here on a future episode. I want to say, stay clapping those chrome cheeks. Oh, that was what I was gonna say. Oh, LDC, yeah, clap them <laughs> cakes. Happy holidays. Clap them cakes. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Okay, sounds great. Great. (laughs) All right. Welcome to episode 69, part two, otherwise known as part 70. What was that? There we go. Oh, I was like, episode 69, part two. We're still on episode seven. We're on episode 70. I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. You want to redo it? It's all good. (laughs)